0: Welcome to listeners, it's time for another episode of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today is going to be Nessun reporter and host of the Saturdays and Seltzers podcast, Kendra Middleton. On today's episode, Kendra and I break down the dysfunction in Jacksville, the elimination of the San Francisco Giants, and some New England-based sports stories, and why Kendra is the villain of the New England area code. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable tastes and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their Nitro Cold Brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day, but why stop there? They have their Mammoth Blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They had their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. com promo code slump. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump and get yourself a case today. All right, y'all, it's time for the episode. of Juju Talk Sports, Kendra Middleton. Let's get it, let's bust the slump, and let's enjoy. Okay guys, it's time to crack open a seltzer, bust a slump, and welcome on our guest, Kendra Middleton of the Saturdays is Seltzers podcast. Welcome to the Slump Buster. <laughs>
1: How's your day
0: going, Kendra?
1: Um, this day has been so crazy for me, but luckily this is the last thing on my to-do list before I can start drinking, so I guess there's no complaints there. How are you?
0: doing better could have been doing a lot better had the result of the game kind of went in the favor there obviously it comes down to a ninth inning you have a guy who batting 180 comes out and uh, kind of hits the clutch ninth inning hit that kind of hurts a little bit more wish I had a little bit more alcohol in my system last night I, I think that mm-hmm. would have been the key to kind of make last go like a little bit smoother how about you what was the viewing experience like for you because I was on pins and needles the entire game
1: Yeah, so I actually filmed um, an episode of my show that I host on Nessun last night from a sports bar across from TD Garden. So I just wound up staying and watching the game and had some friends meet me there. Towards the end of the game, I think what hurt us the most was Camilla Duvall is my... Favorite. I don't want to say my favorite giant, but he's my favorite giant right now because he is just so electric. He's so fun to watch. He has so much swag. Um, and I heard a stat last night that he hadn't let up a run since May 20th. And then last night they bring him in the game and he hit someone with a pitch. And I think that that's absolutely what did us in because that wound up being the run that put us under. Um, So that was a heartbreaker. Obviously the way that game ended was also heartbreaking. I think the MLB might have to put out a statement. I'm curious if you think the same.
0: Here's my thing and why I didn't really dwell too much on the Wilmer Flores thing is ultimately he is a guy that's for 16 against Max Scherzer as a whole. So yes, I agree that a team season should never end on that call because it was such an obvious call like the bat was literally like not even close to crossing the plate so I don't know how the first base umpire could even justify that I think the only statement I really want to hear from the MLB is we're going to start implementing robot umps because I am so tired of the strike zone last night's strike zone was absolutely atrocious yeah game two you had Angel Hernandez and his awful strike zone honestly it's ridiculous because we have this rule an established rule that the strike zone is from the letters to the kneecaps and we have this thing we use on every single telecast called pitch fx that tells us whether a ball is a ball or a strike and yet we don't use it It, it's just like the same kind of logic whenever baseball didn't want to use instant replay when we have cameras all over the field i think this is the next adaptation i'm not saying completely overhaul no umps on the field. I think that we still need a little human element, but the strike zone should be sanctimonious. It's either a strike or it's a ball. That's my view. Where are you on robot umps?
1: I was just going to say, I think the most, dis before I get on to that topic, I was going to say, I think the hardest thing for me is that I, like you said, no season should end that way. And it's like, I'm not disappointed that our season ended, but I'm disappointed because in these, you know, sort of miracle type of seasons when nobody expected your team to make it anywhere, go anywhere and be this successful. And it's like, nobody expected you to win the amount of games you did, let alone over a hundred. And for this sort of miracle season to end that way, I think is the most heartbreaking thing about all of it. It really sort of reminds me of, you know, I'm a Jags fan. That uh, Miles Jack played in the AFC Championship game in 2017, where he was not down. But as far as it goes with robot umps, I think everyone can relate to the fact that sometimes the ump goes your way, and sometimes he does not. But you know, I like you said, I do enjoy there being some sort of human element about it because I I love umpires. You know, like some of them are hilarious, some of them are you know just really important to the game but if we're going to keep it fair and we are going to really sort of move forward with you know keeping like you said that strike zone the strike zone I think that that's the best thing that baseball could do for the game right now as much as I hate to see umpires potentially go or anything like that it's like if you want to keep the integrity of the game um, I think that that's the best thing that you can do for your sport right now
0: just reflecting though I mean with the Giants season as a whole they were playing with house money this entire season let's be honest about it they had a 1% chance of winning the NL West coming into this year and rip off 107 games. I'm curious to see how this team evolves moving forward because there's going to be an influx of new guys, some guys that we had in the minors that we didn't bring up this year, whether it be Helio Ramos, Joey Bart, mm-hmm. guys that are very highly touted prospects. And literally that entire pitching staff was on a one-year contract. So yeah. I don't know what Farhan Zaidi is going to do. Granted, I, I trust Varhan Zaidi with my soul. This man mm-hmm. just literally just, comes out of nowhere. And I think he's like one of the best daytime traders. If he has any equity in like stocks and everything, I'm sure he's doing very well because he just knows how to notice every little trend, every little thing that guys do well. It's insane. It's like Brian Sabian 2.0 for the Giants organization. I should ask, how are you a Giants fan and a Jags fan while also being in the New England area code? We got to know how that kind of came together here.
1: Okay. So I have sort of lived everywhere. Um, I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, and then um, wound up going to the Bay Area to visit some family on a vacation after a boy broke my heart during my gap year between high school and college, just kind of wanted to get away. Um, flights were cheap, and I wanted to you know go explore San Francisco and uh, went out there and fell in love with the city within like a week. And someone named Andrew Hart reached out to me and really kick-started my career and and he was like, hey, see you're super into sports. You know, I love your Instagram and your social media presence. I would love to give you a tour of our studio for iHeartRadio here would you ever want to come in and I was like yeah sure I mean whatever like not expecting anything out of it just thought I was gonna you know go chill out in a high-rise radio studio for a couple hours and you know just chill and he wasn't even in sports he was in music Um, that was what his radio show was for and I come in and you know he's talking about sports and he's talking about this and he's talking about that and um, the sports station that was under their network is um, the game out there and He was like, well, do you want to meet the sports guys? And I was like, oh my God, I'd love to meet the sports guys. And so I sit down in front of their producer and the producer's like, so what's your story, kid? And I'm like, "Uh, well, you know, I got into sports because of this and I got into sports because of that. And this is who I like and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, all right, well, do you want to meet our CEO? And I was like, "Uh," I mean, I'm 18 years old at this point. And I'm like, "Uh, I, I guess. And so he puts me down in front of the CEO in his office and he looks at me and he goes, all right, what's your pitch? And I was like, what do you mean? What's my pitch? And he was like, pitch yourself to me. And I was like, "Um, you know, I'm so-and-so. I'm from here. I love the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm taking a gap year in college right now to travel. And he was like, well, are you looking for an internship? And I hadn't even started college yet. And I was like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for an internship and he was like well you defer defer college for a year uh we'll let you work here for the year and cover some bay area sports and they were affiliated with the sharks the warriors the then oakland raiders and the oakland a's and i spent a year in the bay area living out there covering i got to cover super bowl 50 um the stanley cup when the sharks played the pens um all that kind of stuff and so the it's funny because we were with the a's but my office, before they moved offices, was two blocks from the Giants stadium. So I would walk from work whenever the Giants had a game. They'd give me press tickets, and I would just go sit in these, like, seats and, you know, fill out box cards, scorecards, cards, all that kind of stuff, and just, you know, have a beer and get back on the train home. And the Giants, like, I liked baseball. I loved going to baseball games. I never watched baseball on TV or anything like that. But the San Francisco Giants... And then AT&T park, I fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with that team. I like, I have chills thinking about it, you know, then being a 19 year old, six years later. Um, and I was actually out there for uh, two world series that the giants won earlier in, you know, the two thousands to celebrate and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's cool, whatever. But then like kind of being a part of like, all of that was just so, so cool and so special. And, that team and that, that year, that summer and October and everything just made me, made me fall in love with baseball and the San Francisco Giants. So
0: That is an incredible story. So you go from getting your heart broken to meeting <laughs> someone named Hart to working within iHeart Radio, all at the age of 18 years old. I think mm-hmm. you're the ultimate example of learning while doing as opposed to going to college and kind of like learning all these <laughs> skills that some you may use, some you may not. I think that's an awesome story, and that's definitely shows that there's many different paths to pursue your dreams here. And yeah, hey, kudos to you for being able to do that. I don't think anyone would be that brave too, especially to move cross country at 18 years old. I mean, I thought moving three hours south of my hometown was a brave move for me in college. (laughs) So that that's awesome, there, Kendra. How does one go from all of that to being labeled the villain of the New England area code? I got to ask questions on this one here
1: uh so i think that i am a self-proclaimed villain of new england just because i think that when you so many people in this market are you know grew up here and are diehard new england sports fans and stuff like that so when they're covering these games or you know writing about these games and things like that it's just such a homer take and people here are such diehard fans because you know they're used to the success they're used to the championships and things like that that it's like when you keep it 100 with them as the kids are saying these days oftentimes you get a little bit of backlash which i kind of love like i think it's fun being like the realist in this market i have so much fun doing that and it's like sometimes people don't like the not Homer take, but that's not my job. I'm a journalist. I'm not a Homer. And I kind of, I'm not a Homer here. You know, I love, I love when the teams are doing well because it makes my job easier, but it's like, sometimes I think that new England sports fans need a little bit of a reality check. Last week, I, um, I actually tweeted when the Patriots were down to the Texans pretty bad. I was like, okay, Patriots fans, like, How are you guys feeling? How are we doing? This is wild. And some people were like, not good, not good. And then after so many people circled back to like talk shit and they were like, did we win? And I'm like, yeah, but you probably definitely shouldn't have. And it's like people here are just so diehard that when I keep it real with them, sometimes that's not their favorite thing to hear. But like I said, that's just not really my problem.
0: Would you describe Boston as a more intense market than the West Coast, Bay Area? Because obviously, oh. we know about the fans. That's one of the most highly talked about things in sports. Uh, but yeah, whenever you have to go out there, teams, like what kind of feedback do you mostly get?
1: Absolutely. This is such a brutal city to work in sports, but I wholeheartedly believe that if you can work here, you can work anywhere in the sports market. You know, San Francisco is just such like a hippie loving like city. Everyone loves each other. um, And uh, they're just a lot kinder out there. Maybe it's because it's not so cold all the time, but here people are ruthless and I like I said I think that if you can survive in this market you can survive anywhere because it's just that like blue collar attitude and it's always cold so I think people are a little cranky and people I think assume that because I'm from the south I'm like this southern belle sweetheart and I just am not like I keep it real all the time no matter what it is so I think that I fit in here in that way just it makes it hard sometimes because like I said I'm not a homer up here
0: yeah. You, that makes a lot of sense because you, coming into this podcast, you're like, I promise not to say fuck. And I'm like, listen, we're called the slump buster. You can say fuck as much as you want. <laughs> fuck, 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 fucking fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: Now I don't know My if YouTube's going to be too happy about that one for me, but That's you know, okay. either way, demonetize me. I don't care. Whatever you do. It, it's yep. for the entertainment sake. We do it totally. for the pod. Now we do <laughs> as far as being in New England, though, you mentioned it's easier when the teams are good. Well, you do have a team that's good. You have a team that's in the ALCS. And I listened to your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and you guys were very down on the Red Sox. This is pre them making the postseason. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, they won't go any farther. They won't make it past the wildcard round. And now they're in the ALCS going against the Houston Astros. Uh, what do you make of this team over the last two weeks? Have they done anything that really changed your guys' minds?
1: Um, so I think that they kind of have a similar, not like a similar storyline, but a similar situation to the giants. Like at the beginning of this year, nobody expected this team to be where they're at. And they've really had a lot of ups and downs and going to that wildcard game. I was actually at the game. It was like, you know, I did pick the Yankees in that game because I think that at the time they were playing better baseball. And, um, I was like, this is a must win for the Red Sox though, because it's been such an up and down season for them. Like they played so well the first half of the season. And then they really, really had a struggle towards the end. You know, a lot of the team got COVID. They're one of, I think, six teams who didn't have, didn't meet the vaccination threshold. So it was kind of a shit show. Um, And after all of that, you know, I don't know how you're supposed to have, you know, team camaraderie when you're fighting about vaccines and half of you are sick and you're not spending time together. So it was just sort of one of those domino effects that I sort of thought would happen, especially because the Yankees In my opinion, we're playing better baseball, but so many Red Sox fans talked a lot of shit about the Yankees in the beginning of the season and how awful they were playing and how bad their record was. And so I was like, you know what? The city of Boston, you guys, this team needs to win this game for the city of Boston. Otherwise, New York is going to shit on you guys for the next year until spring baseball is back. Honestly, even they deserve longer than that. So that's why I picked the Yankees in that matchup. And then I've said this on Twitter recently that I think God just loves the city of Boston sports teams and I wholeheartedly believe that but then when you get into the series against the Rays it was sort of the same thing the Rays were playing fantastic baseball they have a great lineup um, and my biggest fear with the Red Sox was that and it still is pitching and your bullpen is what gets you through the month of October and I just I didn't I, I thought the bullpen was so depleted that there was no way that they'd be able to make through with that Rays series and then after that first game I was just like holy shit what a dumpster fire and then you know they reached really really turned it around. So as much as I think that the Astros are the better team, um, I really don't think that you can count the Red Sox out, and like I said, God seems to love the city of Boston and their sports team. So I feel like I do have to say Astros in seven, just because you know, from a journalist perspective, I don't know how, but I am not counting the Red Sox out. If I were a gambling woman, I would take the Astros. Thank God I am not, because I would have lost a lot of money on these previous two series. So um I do, I do think the Astros are you know a World Series ready team, and like I like you said earlier. Um, the Giants were playing with house money, and I do believe that about the Red Sox still. But I think if they make it this late and lose, the city of Boston is going to be e- like even more pissed. It doesn't matter if people expected them to be here or not, but that's just how they are up here.
0: Isn't it funny that we had two card teams that beat the number one seed in their respective league? That tells you about the parody of baseball and how random things can be. When you mentioned that God loves the city of Boston, that just reminded me. Have you seen that one like kid that like had attended every single like Patriots parade, Red Sox parade, yes. Bruins parade, and mm-hmm. that kid's still going. He's still racking up the little uh, stamps on his sign and everything. It's the most insane thing. Like uh, you are very fortunate to be in that market because getting to see all those championship parades. I mean, even if you're not necessarily on the winning side of it, from your fanhood perspective, from a journalist mm-hmm. perspective. That is a big win-win. Now, let's kind of like talk about the other side of things. Uh, The Patriots are on the downswing of their dynasties, their winning Mm -hmm. resume. Now, you mentioned you made a tweet out there, and you had a lot of fans in your, your mentions that were a little bit hit or miss as far as like how they were feeling about the team. What do you think of the Mac Jones era so far? Is he doing a good job? I've heard some people say, They think this team would be better with Cam. Having watched the Patriots last year with Cam, I have a hard time believing that because Cam was struggling to complete basic passes last year.
1: Yeah, so I have a little bit of a spicy take about Mac Jones. Um, I think that, Mac Jones fits into Bill Belichick's system very well because he is a game manager and a ball distributor, and that's really all that Bill Belichick needs him to be. Um, A lot of people are saying, Oh, you know, he's going to be the best rookie out of this class, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that. I think he's probably going to have the best rookie season this year because he was put in the best situation to be the best rookie this year. Um, But long term, I don't believe that. Do I think that he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely. I think that Bill Belichick is putting him in a system where he can, like I said, play that game manager and ball distributor role and be good enough, but I don't think that he will ever be great.
0: As a reputable journalist, I have to have you delve into conspiracy theories with this next question here. Do you think Urban Meyer was the secret leaker of the John Gruden emails?
1: No, I do not. Um, I believe that it was the former employee of the Washington football team to sort of take that, I think it was confirmed that it was him, um, to sort of take that light off of all of the drama going on in their organization with their renaming and um, their sort of problems with all of of that, if you know what I'm talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that question ultimately was just a transition because I think all the Urban Meyer drama Kind of got overshadowed by this week, what happened with the John Gruden stuff going mm-hmm. on. So I know we came into this episode, obviously talking, we're going to talk the Urban Meyer stuff. As a Jags fan, how has this week been? Do you think that the media narrative has been just?
1: Um, I'm going to keep it real with you because I told you that that's how I am. I do not think that the Jacksonville media has covered this well at all. I don't think that they, this entire season have been asking him the hard questions, I think that they've really been cutting him some slack. I've seen a lot of his interviews where people are joking around and stuff like that. Even before all of this information came out, like when he was 0-3, 0-4, and, and, and people were just like, oh, coach, you know, ha, 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 blah, blah, blah. What's this? What's that? And it's like, no, I want answers. Ask him what the hell is going on with Josh Lambeau and why he still has a job. Why he's not having James Robinson have more carries. Um, why Trevor Lawrence? I mean, they, they did ask him about the QB sneak situation, but that's where he also got in trouble was because his answer was completely opposite from Trevor Lawrence, And I honestly am, I wasn't a huge fan of Trevor Lawrence's personality prior to him being a Jaguar, but I think that he has shown absolute class this season. And he's absolutely outing Urban Meyer as he should, because, you know, he, I think is that guy who really falls back on his morals whereas urban meyer pretends to and i love that trevor lawrence has kind of been backhanding him this entire season telling like telling reporters he's sort of full of shit but i don't think i don't think the city of jacksonville has covered this as well as they should i don't think they want to fight with urban so they're not asking him the questions that i would but like i said i'm I, i like to be the journalist to ask the hard questions and i just don't think that people have been asking him hard enough questions because i want some freaking answers
0: Well, do you think last week's uh, drama was at all a fireable offense there or was it more something that Shad Khan and them should have just like they did basically put out a public statement saying we don't agree with what he did. We talked to him behind the scenes. I know there was also the reports of Jags players laughing at him in practice, which I think was probably Mm -hmm. the thing that caught most people's eyes there. Basically, I guess this is all just saying is uh, Urban Meyer going to be the coach in Jacksonville next year.
1: I do not think he will be the coach in Jacksonville next year. While I don't think that that offense was a fireable offense, I do think that this has become a behavioral pattern enough for that to be the straw to break the camel's back. When he was hired here, um, he brought on, I think he was an athletic trainer named Chris Doyle, who was notoriously known for not treating people of color. And he brought him onto the staff and he was let go in less than 24 hours. Oh, and five for really dumb situations. And then, you know, you... uh, when you don't fly back with your team, let's not normalize that That's normal, especially when you're zero and five and you need to get back to be planning for an AFC championship up and coming. And then you go out to a restaurant, and then that happens, and then you lie about it in your presser and have to do a second presser to clarify everything that actually did happen. Um, then it comes out that you potentially have been around this girl since June. While well, I've said on my podcast that his marriage and his sex life is not my problem, when you take a job like that, you do make it the public's problem. And you know when you preach. That you're this jesus guy in this locker room and blah 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 you've absolutely lost your locker room for me at that point especially when you have people of color who play for you who already were probably out on you in the first place and now you're losing you know sort of this morale that you've built and not that i think he's built any morale um and honestly on top of that his play calling is absolute bullshit and it just goes to show that um you know, college coaches don't often work out in the NFL because it's not about recruiting at that point. It's absolutely not about recruiting. You can be the best recruiter in the whole world. Doesn't mean you're going to be a great NFL coach.
0: Now we had at one point posted a channel on the video saying that urban Meyer made the wrong choice to join the Jags. And that was probably our most worst video in terms of like to dislike ratio. So definitely Jags fans had something to say about it. Do you think that going into the season, because it seemed like Jags fans were optimistic about it at first, the media wanted it to fail in a way because I felt like there's a lot of people that were instantly down on it from the aspect of college coach to pros. That never works, right? Do you think that that's kind of been a pile on effect for the fact that the Jags have gone 0-5 and, and made people kind of disregard the fact that this is still a rebuilding roster?
1: First of all, don't get your feelings hurt by Jaguars fans. They are just miserable human beings sometimes. I think that the biggest thing for me was... When we hired Urban Meyer, and the reason I think that people have been down on him from the start, um, at least a lot of people, is that when you bring someone who has a history, like he does, and then on top of that, someone who knew that someone was being assaulted, a woman, and you bring him on when he has this track record, even though he was at Florida and the city loved him then, because it's so close, it's like 45 minutes, it's how are women of the city of Jacksonville supposed to respect and support him? How are players' wives, girlfriends, daughters supposed to respect him? And in turn, how are players supposed to respect him? And then you add all of the injuries that we've had and the dumb play calling and stuff like that, that I think that it's just built up to the point where not only are fans frustrated because we did have expectations because you have a successful coach um, who's been successful prior, but you also, you know, you have the number one quarterback prospect, I think, since Andrew Luck. While I think that we should have taken offensive linemen at that Travis ETN slot, you have someone who's played with Trevor before and for him to get injured preseason um, before even taking a, like, not even on, like, a contact play um, and it's put on IR before the season even starts, you know, like, it's just a lot of, it's a lot. And then, you know, our kicker, who's usually money, has, we've not, we haven't made a single field goal all season. We've missed half of our extra points. Oh, believe me, I
0: know that one. I picked up Josh Lambeau in fantasy, and I know that one too well yeah I just need and something from a kicker give me one totally me one or oh two my God, yeah yeah
1: and especially like a money kicker like that and then you know you add as we've gone on you know everyone has been injured Ev- everybody you know like uh it's just it's so sad and as what happened to DJ Chark last week Brandon Linder Miles Jack not even traveling to London this week it's just as much as it has been the Jags play calling and stuff like that's been a problem injury's been a problem but I think that when you lose your locker room and people no longer respect you or didn't from the jump because you have protected someone on your staff who was beating their wife. And then you bring someone on who doesn't respect people of color and more than half your team is probably a POC. I think that you've already lost your locker room before the season even started. I would so, want to play for someone like that.
0: So does Shad Khan fire him or does he resign? And if he does resign, can he even go back to college?
1: I don't think anyone will ever hire him ever again, but I think if Shad Khan wants the respect of Jacksonville back, he's going to have to fire him because this city fucking hates him right now. And I wish he would sell this team because the Jaguars are just such an afterthought for him. And I want, I want Shad to sell the team.
0: I think that would probably be the only recourse because even if you do fire Urban, then that still means that Shad is responsible for hiring the next coach, hiring the next GM bring in the new assistants how what do you do with Trent Baalke are you letting Trent Baalke <sighs> hire next coach because I'm a Niners fan here you could tell that by the background here I saw Trent Baalke basically decimate our team towards the end I saw our ownership choose Trent Baalke over Jim Harbaugh the winningest coach or one of the winningest coaches in Niners history through four years and obviously Chip Kelly Jim Tomsula those were some miserable years for the Niners. So Trent balky cannot be in charge of your guys' organization or your coaching decisions moving forward. If you fire Urban, you have to fire Baalke. And then again, that, that puts you in a situation where it's like, Shad, bring in this next regime of people. Who comes in? I, I don't even know who's the great candidate for you guys at that point. Joe Brady? I'll
1: tell you when Shad lost me, actually. And as a 49ers fan, I think you will appreciate this. We let... Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin go because there were some locker room problems, you know, culture problems, those sorts of things. And in today's day and age, culture is one of the most important things that I think that you can have in your organization. And when you overturn your staff because of things like that, I think just like the writers need to do, you need to make a statement. And I think that the best thing that we could have done was bring Robert Sala, who had so much success with the Jaguars back, who is now the first Islamic head coach in NFL history back to the team because he knows the city of Jacksonville. He knows some of the players. He knows the facilities, you know, that sort of thing. The city loves him. The city loves his family. And you bring in, which we did interview Lewis Riddick. I think that you bring in Robert Sala, who would have been cheaper than Urban Meyer, like I said, city ties, team ties, all of those sorts of things. And then you throw every single penny we have at Lewis Riddick to bring in the first African-American GM in NFL history. I think that that's how you correct culture change. And like I said, I think that that's what the Raiders need to do. So I think, you know, obviously there's probably going to be some turnover in the NFL. Like there always is, but I want, I want a person of color as our next head coach. I want a woman or a person of color in our front office. That's what I want. I think that that's what culture change is. And I think that that's how you gain your respect back from your team. And I think that that's how Shad Khan's going to have to gain the city of Jacksonville back. Hell, this is a bold as hell take, but I'm going to say it right here. I know that Mina Kimes loves working at ESPN, but if we could bring her in as a GM, she knows more about football than any guy I have ever met. I think that would be the best thing that we could do for this organization. I'm not even kidding.
0: That is a pretty hot take because as far as I know, Mina Kimes, you know, purely journalist, from this point of, at least with julius riddick you can make the case he has worked in front offices he has worked behind the scenes as a scout i, I think that that's a base minimum for player evaluation although i do think the mina kimes is excellent at what she does she does do a great job there at espn representing the brand the product and what they're doing that there from a football coverage standpoint as far as robert sala i could understand what he's you're getting at there as far as his presence within jacksonville the fact that he's been there before The only problem I find with it is I feel as though when you've got a young rookie quarterback, you almost want to bring in a offensive-minded head coach. And I'm not saying that there's no place for defensive-minded head coaches moving forward in the league, but here's the problem I find with it more often than not. And you're even seeing that right now with the Jets. What's going on up there with Robert Sala currently is that LaFleur's little brother there is ultimately in charge of the play calling offensively. So he is in charge of the development of Zach Wilson. I don't think Robert Saul is involved in Zach Wilson's development whatsoever. Just transfer that over to Jacksonville, that would also be the case. So then let's say LaFleur's brother has a great season with Trevor Lawrence in this case, or Zach Wilson in this case, then you're on the lookout for another offensive coordinator and another offensive coordinator after that. If you continue to keep having success, I, I think it's kind of like an endless cycle. You get kind of get caught in with that. We did see what's going on with the Chargers, which I think is the best case example with what's going on with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, but even Bob Brandon Staley, Staley uh, will still have to eventually have to hire a new offensive staff as Justin Herbert continues to have success in the league and who knows if Justin Herbert is just that damn good to overcome his, his play calling regardless. So that, that is my one level of concern with hiring defensive minded head coaches at this point in time in the NFL. Yeah.
1: See my only other counterpoint to that though, I think that the biggest thing hurting Trevor Lawrence right now is urban Myers involvement with him.
0: Yes. But you know, I think with that, it's not just even just urban. It's also, and I'm spacing on the name right now, but your guys' offensive coordinator who got hired in the first place was already a guy that was detested by a majority of teams in the league that it's even surprising that he was able to get an OC job. So that's on urban too. That's on his decision yeah, oh yeah. to hire that guy as his offensive play caller.
1: Yeah. Bevel's but is not my favorite hire.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, remind me of the name here. Just so we'll get on the record.
1: Daryl Bevel.
0: Yeah. Bevel that's or Bevel, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But either way, like, yes, this guy was on the outside looking in for NFL coordinator jobs, managed to get the Jacksonville job and clearly your guys' offense is not doing so well. In fact, he might be mm-hmm. a one-and-done coordinator. Even if Urban Meyer is back next year, I think that Bevel is going to be the one that gets fired out of this coaching staff because you have to make some sort of change if you finish one in 16 this year or two in 14 or whatever it is. You know, Bevels would be the obvious scapegoat in that situation. And then who do you bring in next? Now, that's where it's like, well, what do I got next year on the coaching circuit? Let's say you guys do let go of Urban Meyer. Gable, he's doing a great job with Josh Allen in Buffalo. You know, Eric Bieniemy. that's, you mentioned that's wanting to hire someone, I, yeah, a, a person want. of color. That might be a great option there. Um, and yep. then Joe Brady, you know, he mentioned he, I know you would appreciate this because you're a Joe Burrow fan, did an outstanding job with him at LSU, doing a great job currently with Sam Darnold at Carolina. So those are three names off the top with NFL experience that I would consider mm-hmm. as the next Jacksonville head coach if things continue to go south with Urban.
1: Yeah, my only fear is that, you know, how do you, hide, how do you fire a first-year coach with a rookie quarterback and all of these injuries? That's seriously my only fear is that it's not going to happen. But honestly, I'm kind of hoping that we lose out. I said this at the beginning of the year. I was like, I want the Jaguars to do well because I am a Jaguars fan, but I will not be disappointed if they don't because I want Urban out of here so bad already.
0: Then I, I'm going to counter here there, because I actually picked them this week to beat the Miami Dolphins. I'll give you a little bit of hope or non-hope. I don't know where you're at at this point when you're saying you want them to lose out, but I think this might actually be their best chance at actually getting a win this week. Hell, they know London well. They might be the London Jaguars. How would your fanhood change by the way, if that ever happened, how would that impact um, your fanhood?
1: I would riot it for sure. Yeah. The fact that like there's even a potential that they could take that many jobs away from the city of Jacksonville infuriates me. It absolutely does because like, We have lost 20 games in a row. No team has lost this many games since the 70s. It was Tampa Bay. And you still have 60, 70,000 people showing up for those games. For, For him to take that away from the city of Jacksonville and the people who deserve more, I would write every strongly worded email, tweet, doesn't matter that I could. I want Shad Khan to sell this team because, and especially because... What sense does going to London make? People don't want to travel there. They, like the Jaguars don't want to have to have either a, t- a house in London and or a house in Jacksonville, and then wherever they're from, the travel would suck coming I mean, back and forth from the U.S. I just I don't I don't think that it's realistic. But also just just the fact that like people would be taking jobs out of out of Jacksonville, it, it would just infuriate me. And like they've sold the city of Jacksonville on you know first it was Gardner Minshew and now it's Trevor Lawrence, and they're trying. It's just I. I would be very disappointed. But as far as the London game this week goes, if Tua plays, I'm a little less optimistic, I think. But like I said, I kind of do want to just lose out at this point so that we can, uh, well, I don't know. I said on my show recently that I would love to lose 30 in a row and then lose our last five games just to ruin some people's season in our division for fun and um, then still have good draft stock just because I'm evil like that but I I don't know it's hard for me to think that we're gonna do anything but have a leg up on a team and lose it all in the fourth quarter like we have the last few weeks it's just the Jags gonna Jag you know
0: You know, the ironic part about this is you guys still have an outside shot to win the AFC South because the Tennessee Titans are bad. The Texans are bad. The Colts are bad. What if that just happened? Just out of nowhere, just playoff run. Because hear me out, you know, I had to cover my alma mater, the New Mexico State football Aggies, 18 game losing streak. That's a rough thing to wish on your team, Kendra. That is a rough existence, especially as a journalist. That is so damn hard and discouraging and painful. I would not wish that while on my worst enemy. Although, the one fun moment on that is when they finally did break that losing streak. It was a hell of a day that no one came to the stands to watch. Ankle interception even made ESPN's top 10. But no one cares about NMSU beating the Idaho Vandals.
1: I don't know. I... I would love for us to win a couple of games, but I also would love to have some draft stock. Um, I would love to have Kayvon Thibodeau uh, be on our team next year. And in order to do that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to lose some pretty serious games as much as I'd love to win the AFC South. We're not going to go anywhere. Our injuries, our injuries are serious. Urban's got to go. And I think that outside of Kayvon, I would love to absolutely draft some offensive linemen to protect the franchise in the future.
0: Yeah, the one thing I said when Trevor got drafted, I mean, and this also goes into that London narrative, is you could really make Jacksonville really a cool city for NFL fans and free agents. I mean, the city, obviously, Florida, beautiful weather out there. It's an opportunity there if Trevor can truly live up to his number one overall pick, best since Andrew Luck, best since Peyton Manning type potential. And hopefully you guys could just surround him with the right pieces to make that happen, because. I want to see it. I like NFL parody. I like that about the NFL, that it's not just the LA, New York area codes that are winning every year. I like that you have a Jacksonville can be relevant, a Green Bay can be relevant, Pittsburgh can be relevant. I I think that's one of the best things about the NFL. Okay, Kendra, last little thing here I'm gonna ask you is just kind of like how everything come together. I mean, you have your Saturdays and Seltzer's podcast. It seems like it's doing really well. Tell me how that's going, uh, what you guys are working on. And uh, yeah, just everything about it that for people that may not be aware of your show.
1: Yeah, so um, my personal little side gig is with my friend Sarah. We just started um, a podcast called Saturdays and Selters, which is a female hosted sports podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. And we are also on YouTube. Sarah and I are finally getting some merch made. Um, We have an intern named Tyler, who is so exciting, who's doing some graphic stuff for us. Um, My friend Lindsay is putting a website together for us just because I don't think either of us really expected a brand new podcast to take off the way that it has. I mean, we started, we're 12 episodes in, so 12 weeks in. And for three months for us to be having 2,500 plus Twitter followers, 600 plus on Instagram, um, and to only have 12 episodes out, is kind of insane so um yeah listen to Saturdays and Seltzer wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube we are having so much fun loving it no complaints from us I love Sarah so much we are actually going to um sit on the monster again for this Red Sox uh Astro series so look out for content from there but yeah we're just we're loving life um hopefully this can kind of you know be something more prominent in our professional lives soon that that's kind of the goal here I would love to be my own boss eventually so yeah go listen to Saturdays and Seltzers
0: that's living the dream you also mentioned you had a funny story about our name the (laughs) slump buster that you wanted to share so have at it how do you Uh, know about (laughs) the slump buster without knowing about the slump buster podcast
1: so I had no idea what a slump buster really was um like I knew I I knew the term but I didn't know what it really meant and uh this summer a baseball player was flirting with me and he was like yeah yeah I really need a slump buster and I was like oh like what what are you gonna do like do you have any rituals or whatever and he was like uh that's not what I meant and I was like, oh my God, um I am uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. Like I that's not me. I can't, I'm sorry. So that's that's how I learned what a slump buster was.
0: Wow. Just putting it out there all on the table for the okay. record in terms of the original Mark Rake's definition of a slump buster. Kedra, you far from fit that description there, I should say. But I would note <laughs> My idea behind naming this podcast the Slump Buster was, come on, did I really want to go with bases loaded podcast, ninth inning podcast, full count, you name it, just all these generic names. It just came to me in a dream like going down a vision quest, finding my soul, you know, very dehydrated in the desert, Slump Buster. And Amazing. that's how the podcast name came to be. <laughs> that's awesome. But, all right, Kendra. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think this is a great pod, great episode. Can't wait to put it out. Coincidentally, it might actually come out on a Saturday. So you could listen to this as you listen to Saturdays and Seltzers. Just have one going on each AirPod there. Uh, check her out at Saturday and Seltzers on Instagram. Dirty Water Media is another one that she hosts, she works for the New England Sports Network. Kendra Middleton, follow her on all her socials there, folks. Uh, follow us, of course, at Slimpus Podcast on IG, at Slimpus Pod on Twitter. Check out our partner, cavemancoffeeco.com. Yes, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump at cavemancoffeeco.com. Promo code slump for some delicious cold brew coffee. If you're listening to this on YouTube, leave a like on this video. If you're listening to this on iTunes, give us a five-star review. And other than that, folks, this is Juju Talk Sports saying stay safe, happy, and healthy because we'll see you next time.